What's good? You already know who it is, and if you don't know who it is, it's your man Leon Benson, aka Leon Genesis, aka your mom's favorite personal trainer, aka Let's Get It, aka Let's Work, aka Always Working, aka Theatres Thompson in your building. What it do? We back at it again, man. This is episode 98, season 3, of the Passion Purpose Perspective podcast by yours truly. We out here. We were in, baby. Yo, it's May 4th, 2022, man. It's Wacky Wednesday. It's Workout Wednesday. It's Wildin' Out Wednesday. It's whatever you want to call it Wednesday. You know what I'm saying? It's who, what, where, when, why Wednesday. But anyway, it's Wednesday. Um, I was supposed to record this episode on Sunday, but I didn't um, because I'm fat and I'm lazy, but it's all good. Anywho, um, it has been very, very, very interesting to say the least um, in terms of everything that's going on globally. But uh, yeah, last episode, we talked about developing a fitness routine. Um, We kind of got into why, as far as like finance and stuff, we talked about why stocks go crazy um, and the various different reasons why they go crazy. But um, yeah, mostly just developing a fitness routine too, because a lot of people are kind of wet behind the ears when it comes to that. Um, So I want to get into... A little bit of in terms of fitness how to work on and increase your cardiovascular endurance um, because somebody like myself um, I didn't start out you know being like a cardio machine or anything like that I literally built from the ground up um, over the years from from the time I started training at 12 years old until now you know I'm a fully grown ass man out here. I'm 33 years old and, you know, my cardio is better than it's ever been. Um, But that's because I've developed it over, you know, the many decades at this point. But yeah. Um, So getting into that. um, Yeah, there's so many ways to improve upon your endurance and your endurance is just like your ability to be able to push through a workout um your ability to be able to increase your VO2 max um and to just get you know so much oxygen into your body and to expel so much carbon dioxide um and to just be able to push hard in the gym or on the track if you're a runner or on the field if you're you know a football player a soccer player or whatever there's so many different ways to to come at this um so yeah just a few things uh, that I jotted down as far as my notes. Um, so yeah, proper nutrition, of course, is definitely going to help with your cardiovascular endurance. Um, obviously, adequate training. So like having proper training techniques and having a, a, a legit and proper training program for for you and your fitness level that's obviously ideal to increase your cardiovascular endurance and um sufficient rest you definitely got to get enough rest and i've learned that the hard way um yeah these last i would say yeah these last couple months like i don't know maybe it seems like it's only been like two months but yeah i've been resting a lot more um Instead of getting up, you know, every day at 5.55 a.m., you know, sometimes I'll, I'll sleep an extra two hours 
and then I'll go work or then I'll go train because I want to make sure that my body is is fully recovering or just recovering a little bit better because yeah your boy put a lot of miles on his body and it's starting to I'm starting to feel it so yeah man I had to I had to practice what I was preaching on some of these podcast episodes in terms of getting enough rest to be able to perform at the highest levels um but yeah man um and you have to get practice too you know doing cardio based workouts those are things that are going to help you to increase your endurance as well aside from all the other stuff that I just mentioned you have to put the work in you have to practice um so yeah I mean pulling from my own experience um I've done a lot of circuit training in the past um I've done a lot of sprint work. Well, I wouldn't say a lot of sprint work, but I've done some sprint work in the past. Um, But yeah, it wasn't until I started doing long distance running that I really just transformed my endurance and took it to the next level. It's something about running long distance, man, that just, yeah, it pushes you to a different level. Like you, 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 you can't fake long distance running. Like you can't, you just can't. You might be able to fake being, you know, super strong in the gym. You know, you go to the gym on, you know, one of your best days. You're feeling fresh. You're feeling good. Of course, you're going to get a PR, you know, uh, one rep PR or whatever in terms of one rep maxes or something like that. Um, But unless you truly are just a beast in terms of weight training. Yeah, that's like a once in a blue moon type thing. No, some people are just naturally strong. Everybody is not naturally strong like that in terms of weight training, but that's a whole different thing. But as far as endurance, like you can't fake that. If you're, you know, even if you're like an MMA guy, um, for anybody that watches like MMA fights, you, you can see who the cardio machines are in fights and in training. You can see the guys who they don't have the endurance. They just don't, um, let alone the heart. And you can see it, but when you look at the training, yeah, there's things that they do and there's things that they don't do um, that shows the difference between, you know, those high-level endurance athletes and the ones that just don't make the cut. But it's the, it's all in, it's all in the training, man. You, you got to put the reps in. You got to put the work in. Um, you got to. I say it all the time, but you, you have to. That's the only way to do it, man. Only way to get good, you know, endurance is to work on your endurance. There's no trick. There's no secrets. There's none of that. You just have to practice. You have to constantly practice and get the reps in. So, yeah, like I said, man, um, I've done a lot of sprint work. Um, I've done a lot of circuit training. Now, sprinting is one thing, um, but you can only do sprinting for so for so long until you're just completely gassed out and lose all your energy or until you injure yourself. So you don't want to go, you don't want to be overly aggressive with sprinting um, just to try to increase your endurance. So now you want to go to circuit training. Now circuit training is a little more methodical. You can be, you can have a better strategy in terms of circuit training, which basically um, circuit training is just when you're, you're, you do multiple exercises as one rep. So for example, um, like if you're doing a cardio, uh, tr- uh, like a cardio based circuit, you would go like one minute on the assault bike. Um, 
as hard as you can or, you know, at like 75% of your of your max effort for one minute. Then when you get off of that, you could do one minute, uh, you know, jumping jacks. And then from there, you can get on the elliptical and go one minute, 75% uh, effort for one minute and just repeat that those three uh, movements for five rounds or or for six rounds or for three rounds or whatever that is going to definitely increase your heart rate uh dramatically and instantly um it's also going to make you work man it's gonna it's gonna burn them lungs up but it's gonna force you to uh to take in more oxygen so over time if you practice that you know maybe I don't know, once a week or once every other week or something like that. Yeah, you will start to build your endurance over time. Obviously, when the round, if you're doing only three rounds of those three movements, you're you're it's going to get easier if you continue to practice it. So over time, you can either you can either do it for more than one minute. You can add another minute on. You can do it for two minutes each round. So um, three two minute rounds. Or you can just add on rounds. You can keep it at one minute for each station. Um, and you could just add on, you know, an extra two rounds or an extra three rounds or whatever the case may be. Um, that's just one way to do it. And you want to practice that consistently, not every day. You don't want to go crazy with endurance training every single day because, yeah, the law of diminishing returns. Eventually, you're going to burn out. Um, so that's, that's why I said, you know, about resting, resting is key. Resting is important. Um, it's definitely going to help with endurance training because yeah, you got to be fully recovered in order to perform at the most optimum levels. Um, so yeah, what else? Uh, yeah, man, long, like I said, uh, earlier, long distance training for me, that was the culprit. Like that was the number one, that was it. Um, I practiced a lot of long distance endurance, a lot of long distance running. I practiced. Um, at one point, I was practicing almost every single day. Um, but then, of course, getting injuries and shit, had to slow down and had to rest up. Um, but the thing about long distance training is obviously you got to start from ground zero. So if you're if you're not into running you're going to have to start slow. So you go from one mile and you just build your way up. Maybe you, maybe you do it each week. Um, maybe you run like twice a week because in the beginning when I started running, um, I was only doing like two or three miles. Three miles was like the max for me way back in the day. Um, when I was a young buck and that used to kill me. I used to run at this place called County Park in Lancaster PA. Um, yeah, and I thought that that was the longest run ever, but it wasn't. But over time, you know, I just kept practicing, just kept working on it. Um, yeah, man, and it just got better and better. But especially when it comes to, like, running, you just, you got to run, man. You start out slow, and you'll start to feel it. Like, it's going to suck in the beginning, but you don't. The main thing in the beginning of, especially if you're doing long distance running, is just committing to a consistent uh, program or a consistent routine each week. So maybe you're like, okay, I want to increase my endurance, so I'm going to run tw 
twice a week, every single week. Don't skip any weeks. If you do Monday, Friday, do Monday, Friday, every single week, 52 weeks in a row, um, or maybe 51 weeks in a row and then take off for one week or something like that. But yeah, don't miss. you got to stay consistent. That's another thing that will help you increase your endurance, your cardiovascular endurance is being consistent. Consistency is so huge, man. It's so huge. And people will make so many excuses as to why they can't train or why they have to skip training and then wonder why they're not badasses when it comes to, you know, a game that they have to compete in or uh, or a fight that they have to do or or a competition or whatever or just having better uh better overall health. It's like, yeah, well, if you remain consistent, you'll get better over time. But you have to build, man. You have to you have to take the time and you have to build up your skills. It's not going to just happen overnight. Um it took me such a long time to become like a true endurance athlete. And even still, I'm still not like I'm not marathon level yet. Um, and I don't know if that's just because I was running too much or what. But yeah, like once I started getting up to the half mile, uh, half, half mile, half marathon level, like, yeah, them injuries started really, really kicking my ass. So now my knees are just whew, my knees are they're getting there, man. They're getting run down. Um, but I still got a lot of work to do. Um, so yeah, but, um, I was able to get to a level where it's like, okay, I can run nine miles nonstop. Okay. And then being able to run nine miles, like at a high pace and then being able to run nine miles just for fun. Like, all right, that was like a nice little warm up. It's just like, because, Ooh, excuse me, because I was putting the work in, I was practicing every single day, every single week. I wasn't missing any training days. Um, but also, too, I learned um, just how to rest more and to rest more efficiently and having proper nutrition. But I was, I'm practicing. I'm practicing all the time. Like right now, instead of me running seven days a week, now um, I run three times a week just to allow my body to rest even more. Um, and I can still run at a high level. Um, I just have to let these injuries heal up a little bit um, because, yeah, I was putting in a lot of work and I was overtraining. But, yeah, um, you have to practice, man. You have to work on your 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 running ability. Um, and then, yeah, circuit training, sprint work. You can even do sprint work on cardio machines, which could be a little bit safer. Like you could do some sprints on the elliptical. You know, you could do some one minute sprints, one minute on, one minute off, 30 second, uh, yeah, 30 second rest in between, something like that. Or you could do one minute, one minute as hard as you can on the elliptical, then take a 30 second break and then do, and then one minute on, you know, as, as hard as you can, as fast as you can, 30 seconds off and just rinse and repeat until you do like, you know, 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour long. And just practice that week after week after week. And eventually, it will start to get easier for you, assuming that you're remaining consistent with it. But yeah, man, you got to remain consistent. Um, not not eating too much either. You don't want to stuff your face before a run. That's not ideal. Um, yes, you need to fuel your body for your workouts, but you don't want to overeat. It's going to be hard for you to perform at the highest levels. If you got a bunch of food jiggling around in your stomach while you're running or sprinting or, 
you know, lifting or jumping or whatever you're doing. Um, so you want to have some, some light, some light carbs. You want to have, you know, um, and then obviously you got to get on your macros as well. I mean, your micros as well, as far as like your fruits and vegetables, if you want to go that route. But shoot, I've had, you know, two slices of bread before a run. I've had a pack of oatmeal before a run, you know. Um, when I was really heavy on the fruits, I would have like a banana before a run. But that was it. Like I would eat one small thing because I'm like, okay, I need enough fuel to where my body can utilize this one piece of bread or this one banana or this one serving of grapes or whatever it was. Um, some days I would eat a cookie. If I had a chocolate chip cookie from, you know, the day before, I would eat that junk because I'm like, I need something. Um, just so my body has something to burn during that run. My body needs fuel so I can perform. And that's why, okay, I would have a little bit of food, but I wouldn't sit there and have like a three course meal or like, you know, uh, 500 calories worth of food. Like, nah, that's too much, man. You're going to get lethargic. You're going to, you're going to feel heavy. Um, you're, you know, some people might even start getting sleepy or whatever because they're eating way too many carbohydrates, for example, um, be right before an intense workout. Um, and you don't want to do that. You need just enough food, but you have to learn how much that is for you before an intense training session. It's going to be different for everybody. Um, and I'm not even going front. Like a lot of times I don't even eat before I run because the food I had the night before, usually I can still use that as fuel for the next day if I'm going to get up and run earlier because that food is still sitting in my body. Um, and also, too, it depends on um, if you took a shit before you ran, you know. Um, if you can use the bathroom before you run, that might be even better. Um, if not, I mean, yeah, you could still pull it off. But, yeah, for some people, they like to use the restroom before they go. Make sure everything is fully, you know, digested and out of their system. Um, because, yeah, you're going to perform a little bit better that way. Um, but yeah, getting back to just the consistency, man, the consistency is like the number one thing, but also too, it's just pushing yourself. You know, once you start getting good at endurance training at cardio based workouts, you need to up the ante. You need to push the pace. If you know, it's getting easier. Like it's fun when shit gets easy because we like, oh yeah, now I can do, you know, three miles nonstop you know, or I can do four miles without stopping this and that. It's like, yeah, you can do four miles, but can you do four miles at like a relatively fast pace or, or, you know, can you, can you get a personal record and at the four mile pace or can you go five miles or can you go six miles? Like, you know, so, but you've got to be able to pay attention to when it's time for you to, to, to turn it up a notch. Um, you can't get complacent. It, especially when it comes to cardio, because it's so easy to just lose that momentum. You got to be able to build momentum and keep it going. That's where the consistency comes in. And that's where, you know, taking it up a couple levels comes in, you know, instead of three miles, you go four, instead of four miles, you go, you know, six, instead of six miles, maybe you go eight, you know, so you have to test yourself and see what you can do. Because honestly, you, you most likely, 
if you're not half-assing it and if you're giving it everything you got, you most likely can push harder than what you're doing right now in the gym or on the track or on the field. Um, but only you know what those levels are if you're going to those levels. You got to get into them deep waters, man. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the key for sure. But, uh, yeah, man. So just going back over all those things, like I said, man, if you're trying to increase your cardiovascular endurance, you got to have proper nutrition. You got to have efficient and adequate training. You got to have sufficient rest, enough rest. Um, and you have to practice cardio based training, you know, doing circuit training in uh, in the gym or on the track um, or in the field. Um, and yeah, as well as long distance running and pushing the pace um, not just not just doing what you know you can do. No, take it up another level, man. That's the only way you're going to get better at it. Um, yeah. And there are some breathing techniques and all that, but it's really not. There's no magic to the breathing. You know, for me, honestly, I, I breathe with my mouth open. I've just learned how to do it. It just works for me. Um, I, I, uh, I inhale extremely deeply. I exhale extremely deeply like you know i just breathe man um but also too in between some of my strides when i'm doing long distance running i'll take some shorter breaths just to kind of reset my breathing but there's a rhythm to it as well and it goes it goes with how my feet are hitting the ground and how my arms are swinging so yeah but that's a whole nother thing like you got to find that rhythm um, especially when it comes to long distance running. Um, but yeah, man, those are the tips and tactics that you can use to increase your endurance training. So yeah, man, use it or lose it. If you don't practice, you're not going to get better. Um, and you're going to be the first one to stop in, in an endurance training, you know, setting or in an endurance event. And you don't want to be that person. You want to, you want to challenge yourself. You want to push the pace, man. Push past the level that you thought you could go to. But anyway, um, getting into the world of finance, it has been extremely interesting. Um, so everybody's been talking all this nonsense about a po the possibilities of a recession coming. Who knows if that's going to happen? Um, also, too, let me preface this by, with, uh, by saying I'm dumb. I'm stupid. I'm an idiot. I don't know anything about anything don't listen to me. This is just for entertainment purposes only. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, um, yeah, I'm just giving my unqualified opinion about all of this stuff because I find it extremely interesting and it's much more interesting when you actually have money invested in the markets. Um, so you're kind of forced to be a part of the narrative anyway. But yeah, that being said, a lot of uh, analysts are saying that, oh, the possibilities of a recession are increasing. Um, some people are saying it's like a 30% chance. Other people probably are saying more. Honestly, I don't think anybody knows. Um, but of course, when you look back at history, you can kind of see some of the indications and just where they have led, um, you know, just after the fact. So it is very, 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 very interesting. Um, as far as like, the younger investors, like people my age and younger, we're just not, and this includes me, like we're very naive and we don't understand how businesses work. And I think that's a huge issue. Um, 
and I might have mentioned this in previous episodes, but there was a point where it was like hashtag stocks only go up. And it's just like, yeah, that's cute. That's funny. But it's kind of idiotic at the same time that that became a hashtag, that that became like a trending topic. It's like, no, that's not anything to joke about. Because when your account is in the red or your account is down, you know, 50 percent, 30 percent, you're going to be sitting there shitting bricks, wondering what's going on and what's happening. It's like this is the way that it works, you know. Businesses, you know, they 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 grow or they de they increase or decline in cycles. There's business cycles. Sometimes business is good, sometimes business is bad. It's like it's such an obvious thing. But investors, I guess, I don't know what it is, especially like re- retail investors, I should say. Um, they're just stupid and really naive and they just don't understand how it goes. Um and something else that affects businesses is interest rates. So depending on interest rates, that's going to kind of dictate how good or bad businesses do. And why is that the case? Because a lot of your favorite companies, your favorite stocks, they borrow money in order to stay in business because they don't want to use the cash that they have on hand. If they do that, they might run out of money by the end of the year, or they might run out of money in five years or whatever the case may be. So they borrow money so they can hold on to the cash that they do have, any of the cash reserves. Um, they borrow money through exchange-traded notes, not exchange-traded notes, they borrow money through uh, treasury notes, treasury notes, treasury bills. Um, they they borrow uh, using commercial paper. These are all different types of uh, investing strategies and 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 assets that companies use in order to to stay afloat and to keep cash coming in without too much cash going out um, when you're looking at these balance sheets and income statements. And something that affects every single business is the fact that when the Federal Reserve, which is a, it's nine banks, it's nine branches, nine or 12, I forget what the number is, but it's nine of the biggest or 12 of the biggest national banks or whatever. They all are the ones that control the monetary supply, the monetary policy. So what money goes into the economy, what money comes out of the economy. Um, and what they do is they increase or decrease this thing called the Fed funds rate. And the Fed funds rate basically is an interest rate that the Federal Reserve charges brick and mortar banks and investment banks. Um, they charge them, but mostly brick and mortar banks. So like uh, your JP Morgan, Chase, uh, your your Fulton Banks, if you're in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, your M&T banks, etc. They charge them an overnight fee, an overnight interest rate, which is the Fed funds rate for loans. So banks need loans overnight. All right, the Federal Reserve will say, look, all right, you want a loan? This is what we're charging. When those rates increase, that means that the rates for customers of those banks increases. That also means that mortgage rates increase as well for anybody that wants to buy a house. Because, of course, most of the time when you buy a house, where do you go? You go to the bank for a loan. And if the if the Fed funds rate has increased, these banks have to make their money back. Um, but these banks also have reserve requirements. They're, they're supposed to keep a certain amount of cash 
in the safes at all times um as far as like a solvency or if there's like some type of economic crash or whatever they need to have enough money to cover all of the deposits that are in the bank from all the customers so that's another that's another thing but yeah the federal reserve when they increase that fed funds rate it's a problem for everybody um it just makes doing business more expensive um another thing that happened as well was just the whole supply chain issues like um you know, we get obviously we get a lot of products from other countries um, and other territories and they bring it over in ships. So um, one of those main harbors or one of those main hubs is in Los Angeles. I live in California. So, yeah, that's over near my way. And some of what was happening was they were misplacing um, some of these. Um, what do you call them? Some of these cargo um just like these huge ass crates that have all the actual supplies in it. So supplies from different, uh, for different products that different stores have ordered. Um, a lot of companies were trying to anticipate the reopening, um, when they, when they finally, you know, uh, got rid of the mandates and everything and reopened everything. They thought that there was going to be a huge demand. So a lot of companies, they over ordered on inventory, um, but yeah, there was just issues with these ships bringing products over to the states. And because of that, they were losing losing track of where some of the products were. And the companies that order this supply, um, they get charged holding fees. And these holding fees for some of these companies were upwards of a million dollars a year um for some companies maybe one or two i don't know how many but yeah i heard there was at least like one or two companies that were being charged you know damn near a million dollars over the course of, of you know a year or whatever for just having to hold supply not even selling it so with that being said by the time these stores started to get these products in you know they were already having to charge customers so much money because of the fees that the uh, that the that the like basically that the shipping or warehouse companies were being charged so everybody was trying to make up for lost time for lost money all of it um and trying to anticipate the influx of customers or the influx of you know of money to come in new money coming in as far as like people spending their their checks and everything as far as like stimulus checks and everything but it it, it didn't work out exactly the way that a lot of companies thought it would. That's where you started to get some of this inflation. Another issue, even though some people say that it needed to happen, was um, the Federal Reserve printing, you know, so many, so, I don't know, however many trillions of dollars that they printed, and they wanted to send everybody, what, uh, $2,000 or however much it was. If you made less than $75,000, you got all the stimulus checks. And... Yeah, a lot of people ended up saving those checks. Of course, there were some people that were spending them, which that slightly stimulated the economy as well. But by that time, inflation was already going crazy. So you, it, it, it kind of just negated the purpose of, hey, let's give out these checks and try to stimulate the businesses, stimulate the economy so that we can still make our money that we need to make. Because, yeah. It's definitely still about the rich get rich or the poor get poor. It's that's still the name of the game. Um, but also too, the Federal Reserve is trying to and was trying to figure out, okay, how can we 
How can we cool down the economy and fix this without breaking things, without making things worse, without without causing a crash? And at this point, it seems like it's just not they're not. It doesn't seem like they're going to be able to do it. It really doesn't. Um, so, yeah, getting into some of the details, um, I took a few notes on this. Um, according to uh, Commerce Department, um, as well as the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, consumer spending has increased in March um, as far as travel, dining, gasoline, and food. Um, and then what else? Uh, part of consumers... Increased savings was obviously previously due to the stimulus checks, like I said, in, ter- in response to the pandemic. However, savings have decreased on account of rising prices via inflation. Um, and then um, I have a sidebar here. Um, because of workers being lazy, a.k.a. the great resignation, companies needed lots of help and were offering hiring bonuses as well as pay raises to current employees. Um, so, yeah. It's just all of this craziness, man. All of this stuff is happening like, you know, almost it's like almost a dom- it's pretty much a domino effect. Some of it is happening, you know, simultaneously, but a lot of it is just a domino effect um from what whatever from what whatever, you know, after effects and aftershocks we got from the pandemic. Um but yeah, so as of late um uh according to I want to say yeah, CNBC uh, the Federal Reserve uh, raised interest rates again um, by 50 basis points, a.k.a. they raised interest rates by half a percent, so 0.50 percent. Um, this is the highest they've raised interest rates since 2000, which was, um, that was the dot-com bubble. If you don't know what the dot-com bubble is, go look it up. Um, just look up the 2000 dot-com bubble. Um but yeah, so right now the Fed funds rate, which is the like I said, it's the rate that the Federal Reserve charges banks for overnight loans. That rate is between um, three quarters of a percent to one percent, so 075 percent to one percent. Um, it's it's getting scary out here. It's getting scary out here. That's 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 what that means. It's. I mean, obviously, you guys have already seen it with gas prices, um, as well as just the geopolitical pressures that we've experienced, you know, with the with the current war that's going on with Russia and Ukraine. Um, we get a, we, we were we were getting a lot of our oil from over there. We also were getting a lot of our food supply from there as far as agriculture. So that's where we're getting some of the inflation in terms of food prices. And that's also where we're getting some of the problems with possible uh, food shortages, which I guess Americans probably think that's not possible, but it is very possible. Just like people don't think uh, that the population is going to hit, you know, its peak at like nine, what, nine billion or whatever the hell the number is supposed to be. But yeah, man, there's just so much craziness that's happening. Um I've also got some more notes here that I want to read on. Um, so the possibility um, or heads up about more monetary tightening from the Fed, it sent the market sliding. Um, and this was, I think, like last last week. So, yeah, it's it's uh, again, it's March 4th. I believe like last Friday, the market's completely tanked. Um one of the indexes, I want to say it was either the NASDAQ or the S&P 500 was down like 
4% or something like that. It was wild. It was craziness. Um, and that was because, um, again, there was the 50 basis point hike that, that, uh, the fed, that the fed was talking about, which now they've already done that. So they're still talking about they're continuing to be more hikes. They're going to be more interest rate hikes. This is only going to get worse for businesses. Um, and I know there's other companies right now that, you know, are shutting down different locations like Amazon, for example, they closed six Whole Foods locations. They shut them down Two in Chicago. I think there's going to be one here in California that they shut down. Um, I didn't get all the details of it, but my take on it is probably most likely. Well, for one thing, Amazon's guidance was terrible. Um, they didn't that for the first time in a long time. They had negative uh, negative earnings report, so their numbers came out and their finances. They lost a lot of money for the first time in a long time, and of course, when that happens, usually it sends the stock price plunging. Um, so I think that they're just trying to open up some. Uh, they're trying to like get some cash back on the balance sheet and cover some of their losses by selling and getting rid of some of those Whole Foods locations. And also, too, they're just trying to downsize a little bit, probably, um, just to be a little uh, more, like, prepared for what's to come. But, I mean, they should be fine. It's Amazon, so. But, yeah, all these companies, man, it's craziness. So, um, I got more notes here. Um, and it's pretty much to say, like, guidance has been mixed, but mostly cautionary. Um, which adds adds to more sell-offs. So basically, a lot of companies are saying, hey, look, our numbers just came out for the last quarter and they weren't good. And when companies say that, a lot of people just sell their stock. Um, even if it's in fantastic companies, they still sell because, I don't know, they're just short-sighted or I don't know what it is. But yeah, for whatever reason, when guidance is bad, it makes it makes investors sell a lot of their shares and guidance is in layman's terms guidance basically is when a business says look for the next 6 to 12 uh, 6 to 12 months for our fiscal year let's just call it 12 months for the next year our results are probably going to be positive or our results are probably going to be negative. So when companies say our results is probably going to be negative, people get panicky, people get scared and they end up selling their shares, which I don't understand how that even makes sense unless you made a mistake within your fundamental analysis. Um, or unless you see that the company's fundamentals have changed. I don't understand why people just sell because of some bad news. Doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but yeah, man, being in business, it, it costs more it costs more for companies to borrow money to stay in business or to continue to to um to expand their businesses. And that is because the interest rates are higher. So yeah, the Fed is charging banks more money, those banks are charging businesses more money. And it's just, it's affecting everything and everybody, like I said, as well as the geopolitical risk. Um, so honestly, I don't think anybody knows what the hell is going to happen at all. I think we're all out here just running around, making a bunch of predictions and guesses and estimations, but we really have no idea. And some people are fearful. Um, if, if you understand business, if you understand the 
you know, some of the politics. And if you understand economics, this is not this is not a super duper scary thing. Now, obviously, if you're a company that borrows money or, you know, your business depends on a certain amount of sales per quarter or, you know, even on a weekly basis or whatever. And you've got, you know, your bills to pay, utility bills, you know, uh, trademarks, copyrights uh, to 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 keep uh, in the in the clear, you know, you've got payroll to meet. Yeah, that can be scary. But for retail investors, it's like, yo, the opportunity of a lifetime may or may not be around the corner if if the market continues to tank. Um, but what do I know? I'm stupid, I'm dumb, and I don't know anything. But uh, I'm looking at this as like, man, there could be some, some real possibilities on the horizon. Um, another thing I want to mention before I get out of here, um, Berkshire Hathaway just had their annual shareholder meeting for the first time in two years. I think it was on what, April 29th. Oh, I just watched the replay online. It's like over six hours, like six hours and 18 minutes. Um, absolutely fantastic. Uh, I loved it so much. I've watched every single annual shareholder meeting from 1994 until 2022. But yeah, it was fantastic. So if you want to get some tidbits on that, you can look it up online um, on YouTube. Somebody posted the full uh, version of it. Shout out to that person. But yeah, it was very, very, very insightful from one of the greatest investors of all time at 91 years old and his partner, Charlie Munger, at 98 years old. Man, it was insightful. It was f hilarious. Um, it was cautionary. It was it was some parts of it were typical in a good way. So, yeah, man. They haven't skipped a beat whatsoever. Um, but yeah, man, pay attention to business. Understand how business works. Look, look at, understand accounting. Look at accounting, uh, study economics, macroeconomics, microeconomics. Not saying it's going to give you the answers, but it's going to, it's going to inform you on why things are happening the way that they're happening. Look back in, in financial history. This is not the first time that stocks have fallen or, or have risen, you know, so crazy or have or you know as far as like huge downturns and stuff like this is all normal this is normal shit man this is normal shit i know i'm new to the game but yeah i look back at history too because i want to learn from the greats and it's happened it's happens to every single investor no investors are going to get out of this without a scratch like we're, we all going to get some bumps and bruises man it's a normal part of business but to me this is where the opportunity comes when everything is falling apart and crumbling there's always opportunity and turmoil always um but that's if you have a long-term mindset if you don't then i don't know what to tell you if you're a short-term trader i don't know what to tell you because i don't do those type of things um but yeah man that's what's going on right now it's very interesting i absolutely love every single second of it because it just helps me to understand the world so much more than i did as a kid um and i love it i love it i can't wait to see how everything unfolds this year especially by the end of the year you know even going into the holiday season like you know but if if it's anything like it always is consumers are still going to spend money they don't give a damn they're going to spend money until they don't have any more money. And then they're going to borrow money to spend more money. People are still buying houses right now and everything. It's like, really? Looking at the housing market and you you got the nerve to want to buy a house right now? This is the worst time to buy a house. But this is the best time to be selling a house if you're a loan off, mortgage loan officer or your real estate agent or whatever. But yeah, man, interesting times right now. Um, so I'm just going to keep learning, keep studying, um, and just keep trying to expand... Uh, 
my circle of competence. Um, yeah, man, because why not? I'm trying to do what the rich people do, um, but I'm also trying to be smarter than the rich people are too in terms of just asset allocation, in terms of you know making strategic investments and just playing the long game. So that being said, hopefully you got something useful out of this podcast episode. If you did, make sure you like, download, comment, rate, and subscribe to the podcast, man. We got more episodes on the way. Um, yeah, man, that's pretty much that. So if y'all don't hear from me next Sunday or Monday, I'll be back Wednesday. Um, until then, man, you already know who it is. I'm not going to say it again. I'm out.